Hello and welcome to Grace Life Duras. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello everyone. Welcome back and I'm glad you'll be joining us for this next teaching on the true nature or identity of God. We're going to be looking at the word sovereignty. So what do we mean when we call God sovereign? And so I realize with this word, there's a lot of people who might be um, already have a big picture of what it means. Um, some of us might have been negatively affected by what this word means. And if you don't know what that means, then you will know later. But there's also many of us listening to this who maybe really are seeking to understand what does it mean to say that God is in control? What does it mean to say God is sovereign? And how do we actually know how to correctly interpret that in our lives? Um, and as we dig into this, I want to really encourage you, when you whether you're a believer or not yet, Please open your heart and listen carefully to what God wants to speak to you. Let go of some things in terms of your maybe idea of what God is like. Just let it go for a moment uh, to listen openly and clearly. I always do this as long as I've been a believer. I always say to the Lord, Lord, I want to hear you new. I want to hear you fresh. Um, it's not that there's really a new revelation outside of the Bible, of course, but there's always fresh revelation um, as we continue growing and getting to know God better. And so I really believe that this will once again encourage you in the reality of your faith if you're a believer, but also if you're not a believer yet, in the reality of the Christian faith that Jesus is Lord. So Father, I just want to thank you that as we dig into this, as we get our Bible, maybe our water or our coffee, and come and sit at your word with a notebook and a pen maybe to receive from you that will open your heart, our hearts, so that you may speak from your heart directly into our heart. We praise you for this in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Wonderful. So we are going to be looking at sovereignty because for many, many years, I myself have heard the wrong teachings and understood not just through teaching, but the wrong idea of who God is. Um, as a young child, I was told um, that God really is in control of everything. And that means even like my past things, when my parents got divorced in a very, very difficult divorce, um, that that was kind of God's will and good will come from that. Um, and then also was part of, as I grew older, I saw lots of things happening. I even went to some seminars and things where people would explain that God does evil so good can come from it. It might look evil in that moment, but it isn't evil because God knows better and we cannot know his will or his ways. And so um, people have explained things like that. I've also been part of discipling people um, and walking a road with people who didn't really realize that the wrong the wrong idea of the sovereignty of God was very negatively impacting impacting their lives. Um, as a pastor and leader, you also work alongside people who go through very tragic things. And as I was struggling through these uh, realities, as I was working through this as a younger person, I remember coming to the answers and more clarity about sovereignty of God only about 15 years ago when I really was in a Bible school that was teaching good word and confronted me with some of the realities of um, what sovereignty means and what it does not mean. 
and um, where the responsibility lies. And this was so good for me, but it was so difficult to hear the first time um, because it was easier to say, this is God, we don't know his will, we just can't do anything about it, than actually say, no, the word teaches us who God is. And it also, if we rightly divide the word, we will see who God is and where is our responsibility and where is God's. And so this is what I hope to bring to you. I will say, though, through studying this out for the last several years and through looking at it continuously, um, my life has borne so much better fruit than ever before. I don't have all the answers by no means. And I am still studying it out. And there are some scriptures that I still will tell you. I am not sure about that yet. However, the scriptures that I do understand, the realities that I do know, and the answers that I do have, have not just increased my revelation of God as a good God and as a continuously and constant good force in my life or reality in my life, but it has also strengthened and equipped me to be fulfilling and walking out the call of God in my life, not just for me, but also those around me, including my family and friends and discipleship relationships. And this is really what we're after. I realize that the scriptures or the, the, the word of God, the Bible, is a book put together to be studied for the rest of our lives. And as long as we live, we will receive new, a fresh revelation from this word. And um, we should always be open for that. So as we get into this, where does the wrong understanding come from? Well, if you've been in Christian circles, the reason why there's lots of wrong information or wrong ideas is because maybe for many of us as myself when I grew up, it was always kind of like the pastor's role to tell me what the scriptures are saying, what the Bible's saying. It wasn't my work to understand it. It was just my work to listen, agree, and obey. And only in the recent years of my life, I think after university, I started realizing like, actually, I need to be in the word. And that wasn't the fault of the pastors doing that. That was my mistake. But many of us still have the attitude that there's a leader who should tell us and instruct us, and we should just take it as it is. And we rarely turn to the Bible ourselves, this beautiful gift, the written word of God that is here to instruct us and lead us in truth. We don't very rarely do we get into it and study it out for ourselves. We've got so many resources available to us these days. There's actually no excuse not to be getting into it for ourselves. Whether we're reading it, maybe you're at that level of your relationship with God where you just need to read it for now. Maybe you're at the level where you know you should be studying it. There's so many tools available to do that. And so in Proverbs 2 verse 1 to 4, actually I like the easy translation, the way it says this. And there's an instruction given to the son. And it says, my child, listen to my teaching. Think about my commands. Listen carefully so that you understand what wisdom really is. Yes, always try to learn what is right. Never stop trying to understand. Look for wisdom as carefully as you would look for silver or valuable jewels. See, theology is really important. It's not just something for the elite. We need to know the Theology is important to every single believer. You need to know what you believe and you need to know how to explain what you believe within reason to people. You can't just say, I believe it because the Bible says it. We need to have an answer for our faith, for the unbelievers, so that they may come to know Jesus, who he truly is, and accept him as their Lord and personal Savior. And so second reason why there's mis a misunderstanding of this is that there's something we, we fail to understand that the scripture is given to us as a progressive revelation of who God is. Okay, In 2 Timothy 2 verse 15, 
Uh, Paul instructs Timothy by saying, uh, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what he is saying here is you need to look at the word and study the word for yourself. So we use the teachers, of course, like it says in Ephesians 4, verse 12 to 13, the, the teachers, the prophets, the pastors are all there to equip you for the work of the ministry. But before you can do the work of the ministry, you need to be able to, to really receive from the Lord and grow in your relationship with him. And so as you do that, and as you take the leaders and you take the, the revelation coming from teachers and pastors and the care from there, you can go to the words with boldness and start rightly dividing the word of truth. We see that word dividing there, which is telling us that there is something to divide. We cannot just take the Bible and say, all of it is right now true for us. What we can say and what is scripturally accurate is to say that the word does not contradict itself. Absolutely not. We do not have a book that there's an old revelation and now there's a brand new revelation. And although the old revelation says this, the new revelation says something else. So just ignore everything in the old. No, no, a million times, no. That is not how this book is put together. However, it is all, it's scripturally inaccurate to say that everything that's written in what we call the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, that all of that applies to us today. It simply does not. Okay? Not all of it applies to us the way it is. But the scriptures, especially when we look at the New Testament, what we call the New Testament, when we look at Matthew all the way to Revelation, what we see in those that part of scripture is that there is a fullness of the revelation that was not there given to us yet in the Old Testament. And so we need to rightly divide that, okay? We need to know that, okay? There is a progressive revelation of God. I'm going to prove it to you all the way through the series. It doesn't contradict, but there's a fulfillment. The last reason I would say why there's so many mix-up or confusion about this in the world is also because, or in churches and in the world, is that there's too much of the world in the church. And what I mean by this is that Romans 12 verse 2 actually in the Amplified says this, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in His plan and purpose for you. And so what I love about that is that it's saying that there is this conformity to the world, which is superficial, there's superficial values and customs. And one of the things that I find that we struggle with in church is we struggle to keep our experiences um, in line with Scripture. All our experiences are unique and true and perfectly um, us. Understand? It is beautiful to hear God speaking to our own heart. It is wonderful when we open the Word and we receive revelation. However, we don't base our life on those experiences, good or bad. We base our life on what the Word instructs us, how the Word leads us. That's what we base our life on. And that's really important. I've heard in seminars people literally using a whole their whole experience, their life experience of how they've experienced God to explain concepts in the scripture. And that's not accurate. We can use our examples, and I regularly do that to explain scripture, but we let scripture explain itself. And we can't let the world's ideas of all these worldly ways of how the world views God 
We can't let that come into the church. We need to stand for something or we will fall for everything. So today I'm not going to be looking specifically at one account to explain God, but I am going to attempt to explain God so that you can go to many accounts and seek him out for yourself. I don't know all the answers, but like I said, imagine I'm holding a piece of paper in front of me and I fold a little, just the little side of the paper, a little um, a point of the paper I fold it over. We can choose to focus on those that little, the few little scriptures that are not clear yet, or we can choose to focus on the beautiful revelation, the whole rest of the paper that Jesus came to give us, revealing God himself to us. We can either choose to focus on that, or we can go and build our whole life about the little part that we don't understand yet. And that's your choice. I choose to focus on the paper. I choose to focus on what Jesus has done because we know that all of Scripture is given to us to mature us, but Jesus is the perfect image of God. And if we look to him, he will not lead us in error when it comes to who God really is. Okay? Um, an example of this progressive revelation is also then seen, as I've been mentioning Jesus, through, for example, what happens with Moses and Jesus. So I love this, and I'm going to start with this today where we go to Exodus 33, verse 18 to 20, and Moses is speaking to God, and he says, show me your glory. And what does God say? He says, I'll let all my goodness pass before you. You see, God's glory is his goodness. But then God says, you can't see my face, for every man who sees my face shall not live. You know? Why is he saying that? He's not saying, Moses, I'll have to kill you. No, he's not the mafia. He's just saying that at that time, um, there was still the sin issue between man and God. And because that issue was still there, that nature was there, the two natures completely opposed each other, like darkness and light. And so God could show Moses as much as he possibly could, but he could not show him who he fully was because Moses still had a sin nature, although he believed and put his faith in God and he was counted righteous. So you say, you can't see my face and live. But now, many, many years later, we see in John 14, verse 8 to 10, Jesus, Philip is speaking to Jesus and he says, show us the father. And Jesus is saying, kind of like paraphrasing here, he's saying like, what, Philip? Really? I've been with you this long and still you don't know that I am he. The one who has seen me has seen the father. You see, what we need to see is then when Jesus comes, God is not hiding anymore. God doesn't have to hide himself because of this opposing forces. Now Jesus comes, who is fully filled with the Spirit of God. He is God's Son or Son of Man. I love that translation, that um, title, the Son of Man. And when he gives himself that title, he is saying that, I know I, who I am. I am both um, the Spirit of God in man, and I am also the Son of God. And therefore, I, who come from the heart of God, can reveal God to you. Okay? That's why Jesus' works explains the Father. Jesus' teachings explain the Father. And Jesus, till today, through His Spirit, because He's alive, is explaining the Father. Clearly, there's a progression. And clearly, Jesus is saying that without seeing Jesus, you cannot understand God. Listen very carefully. There is no revelation, no true revelation of God outside of seeing Jesus as Lord. Why? Because only Jesus came to give us the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And only when you receive that Spirit of God in you can you now start to understand God who He is. And that 
is the truth. It's difficult to hear, but it is true. Now, when Jesus walks on the earth, he doesn't just come to reveal the will of God. He also clearly shows us the will of man. And one thing he says is that man's will cannot be trusted. Why? Because one day it's for him, one day it's against him. We know this, you know. We also come, he also comes and reveals the, the will of the devil. We don't see very clearly in the scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, we rarely see accounts where the devil is openly explained. And here in when we get to Matthew, to Revelation, whoa, it's like, here you are, here's your enemy, this is the problem, he is here to steal, kill, and destroy, and as Jesus said, and I believe it's in John 8, he says that um, the devil was a murderer from the start, he is a liar, every time he opens his mouth, he's lying, so Jesus comes even to reveal the devil's will, and then more importantly than anything, God sends Jesus to reveal his will, that no one should perish, but that all should come to him and know him personally for who he really is. So let's get to this word called sovereign. What do we mean when we say that, that God is sovereign? Many translations translate this word, this idea as the Lord God. I love that. I have the NASB, the King James Version does the same. Many translations keeps the original as Lord God. But there are many new translations who saying the sovereign Lord. What do we mean by that? Well, let's look at the worldly definition or understanding of the word sovereign. When we say sovereign, it means that someone has supreme power or authority. Okay? So, for example, a king many years ago, he is sovereign over his area that he rules over. Okay? And what that means is also that he, there is no one above him. There is no one above the king or, for example, the queen. There is no one above them. Does this, however, mean that he controls everything, every individual act in his realm? Obviously not. So why do we get this idea when it comes to God being sovereign? God definitely is sovereign. He exists as a self-existing entity. Okay? He is, there's no one higher than him. He is God. He is eternal. He will forever be and he was forever. Okay, before creation was, here he was. Okay, but he, this does not mean because of who he is as sovereign Lord, that he sovereignly controls every little thing we do. If we believe this, then that means every act of murder, every drug ever sold, every tragedy ever that ever happened is all in God's will. Where Jesus came to clearly and openly reveal this is not who God is. Now, remember, I'm trying to explain the heart of God so that we can go to the difficult scriptures and possibly say, if I believe God is good, then maybe the scripture needs more investigation instead of basing my theology on one scripture. Okay? So, although he is sovereign, it is an error to say he is therefore in control of everything. It is scripturally accurate to say that God is sovereign. He is a Lord and he will have the last say one day. But as sovereign Lord, he has delegated authority over to us on the earth to co-labor with him in bringing his will to pass on the earth, just as we saw Jesus doing. And there is also the reality that we have an enemy, an enemy of God and man, who is at work behind the scenes to make sure that we do not take up our authority as God's image bearers on the earth 
and do what we're supposed to do. He's there to distract us, deceive us, and manipulate us into believing the wrong things about God. But we don't have to fall for him. Hallelujah. We have God's spirit living inside of us. And when we know we are born of his spirit, we can resist the devil and we can stand for the truth of who God is. So let me give you some examples to show you in scripture where we see this contradiction happening. Okay, for example, Adam and Eve, created by God in his image, beautiful place, perfect universe, and they mess it up. Why? They listen to the voice of the deceiver. Now, they, Adam and Eve had a will. I've taught on this. Please go and listen to my previous teachings on this series. I'm not going to go back. But they mess it up. They use their authority on earth, listen to a voice that was not God's voice, and bring in a will that is not God's will on the earth. Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. God warns Cain, saying, don't do this. Yet Cain goes according to his desire. And once again, something happens on earth, which is not God's will. We see it over and over in scripture. I I could spend the whole teaching just naming examples, but let's use another one as Israel wandering wandering in the, the wilderness for 40 years because they failed to believe God. If you are experiencing a 40 year wandering in the desert and wilderness, you need to know something that is not God's will for your life. He's not trying to teach you something. You need to wake up, get into belief and stop walking around the mountain. Because if you go and read that scripture, you will clearly see God's will was never that the people walk around there for 40 years. He wanted to take them into the promised land. They did. They chose not to believe God. And so all these scriptures, and we can think about many examples. We can think about um, uh, uh, Solomon. I always say his name wrong, but Solomon, um, um, the strong guy. Samson, uh, we can think about David and him committing adultery. And so we can see clearly, actually, that the scriptures is showing us, or the Bible is showing us, that there's God's will, man's will, and the devil's will. God has delegated authority to man on earth, and he wants to work with man to bring his image, his identity, his kingdom onto the earth. Praise God for that, you know. He wants to do that, but he needs our cooperation, Now, some examples of those who actually follow God is incredible. And there we can learn so much. Look at Noah, who becomes a picture of salvation and a a foreshadowing of Christ to come simply because he obeys God to do the impossible. Look at Abraham, a father of faith. And even till today, we, we look at Abraham as an example of extreme faith. Wow, partners with God and sees his kingdom, his, his kingdom and promises fulfilled, not in his lifetime, but praise God, we see it. And we see David, although he failed, he returned to God. And we see how he is even till today, even I love to, to read about David because he's such an example of a king who followed God and knew the heart of God and becomes a friend of God. They chose to use their will on earth to bring glory to God. And they're just a few examples. And then, of course, the ultimate example is Jesus Christ, who chooses to, no matter what, resist the devil and stand for God. And we see the extreme example of that in our lives as well at work, even till today. Now, one scripture that's caused some confusion is also Romans 8 verse 28. And for this one, I really want you to take your Bible and go to it. Even if you need to pause the teaching, go to it. And read it for yourself. Romans 8. And even read the whole scripture, the whole passage if you want to. Romans 8, verse 28. Um, Now I page too far. Verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, 
to those who are called according to his purpose. This scripture is true, it is accurate, and it is in the Bible. But this scripture does not mean that God causes all things. Also, we need to look at that word all because it's not referring to every single thing. But let's just for now say, although things happen, not all things are from God. We can see it clearly from Genesis to Revelation. Not all things is God's perfect will. And God does not do all things. He is not a puppet master controlling every puppet and controlling every act. Then we should come to the conclusion that although we might believe in God as Lord and sovereign and submit to him, we cannot say he is good. Why? Because of the great evil that exists in the world. So we need to know that although the scripture says that God is able to turn things for good, it doesn't mean he does all things. Okay? Also, secondly, this scripture is limited. It says he does this for those that love him, to them who are called according to his purpose. That just means a believer, because you are called and your purpose is to become a child of God, is to believe in him and receive him as Lord and Savior. And so it is limited to those who will believe in him. We cannot say this scripture to just everyone believing that every situation will turn out for good because we are deceiving people. Go and study it out a bit more. We'll look at it continuously as well. So some of the answers I just quickly want to give you very shortly about some things. And like I said, we will be digging into this deeper as we go on with the series. But some basic theological truths we need to know is that God does not cause calamity, so good can come from it. Now, many say in a situation, you just can't see the good right now. But one day you will understand this is not the way God works. Tragedy is tragedy. Evil is evil. No matter how long you live, no matter how much time after that, evil is evil. Okay? We do not take our child, burn their hand in a fire, and while we're pushing them into the hospital, say, you do not understand this right now, but one day you will. You shouldn't play with fire. If we won't do that, why would God do that to us? It's not scripturally accurate. To say this to people is to say that actually man, man's understanding of good and evil is better than God's. Psalm, Psalm, Psalms 5 verse 4 says, For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil can dwell with you. Romans 9 verse 14, Paul is writing and he says, What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? Far from it. God is not unjust. When bad things happen, there's a simple answer. It's either the devil or it's the consequence of a broken world that we live in. Because for sure, what is true and what is real is that we live in a broken world. We need God to be good. We need God in our lives to turn it around for good. We need God to be constantly and continuously a loving father who is working with us and through us and in us for good. But we do not need more evil. That exists a lot in the world. That is not what God, what makes God holy. What makes him holy and separate is that he is good and only good. Good to the degree that is almost ununderstandable. <laughs> That's what, what we mean when we say like, you couldn't understand God because he is so good. You can live forever and still say, God, you are so good. Second thing I want you to know is that God may not do it. Like people will say this, uh, okay, God didn't do it, but God still allows it. Okay, we must be very clear on this, because when we say this, we kind of have the picture of an evil angry God or just the angry God sitting up there going, ha, 
I will just allow all this evil to happen. And I know a lot of it comes from the book of Job. We will get into that book as well. But what you must be clear on is that God has given man authority to act on earth. And when God gives authority, he releases it. And so the ones who's actually to blame for the things happening on earth is many, 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 many times man, not even the devil. They listen to the devil. But sometimes I think the devil is saying, I wouldn't even have come up with that. It just plants a seed and leaves man. See what he does. That's why as believers, we need to know God, know he is, know his will, know his heart, so that we may represent him. We may resist the work of the devil. We may pray and see God's will come on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, we are the ones who's neglecting to take to take care of the world. But I do also want to clarify that we also see that there is a place where God will step back for sure and let people um, go to their evil desires. And it doesn't just automatically happen. But for the unbeliever, um, if you continue in your sin and you continue to walk away from God and you continue to disregard him, God, there will come a place and there will come a point where God will just say, "Okay, I'll leave you to your own doing. And that is a scary place to be. But scripture in Romans 1 verse 28 and all throughout scripture, we see God doing that. That is absolutely true. It's the same way that I would say to my son, um, if you get on that thing, it will hurt you. Um, you can fall off that chair. And if he continues and continues and continues, there is a place where I will step back and I will say, okay, what will then do what you want to do. Of course, I'm not an evil child, a parent, so I won't just leave him if it's dangerous for his life, of course. But in the same way, God, there is a place where God will actually step aside and say, okay, do what you want to do. And um, that is a horrible place to be in. So um, then we also will in future look a little bit more at discipline. Um, and like I said, next time I'm hoping to get into Job. But we need to clarify these things. And as we wrap up, I really want to wrap up with this thought. Jesus is our example. Although we value the scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, and although we look to many other things in Scripture to see who God is, Jesus is our example of the true image and identity of God. Jesus has come to explain him. And when we believe that, when we believe that Jesus has come to show us the nature of God and that the letters written was there to, to explain who God is, then we can look back and say, wow, okay, maybe my understanding was not right. Maybe I need some revelation of how I see God. Because if God is not this God who does these things and just allows evil and just um, sovereignly dictates and, and, and manipulates every situation, then maybe, maybe I've got a responsibility. Maybe I need to be stepping up. Maybe I need to see who I am in Christ. Maybe my prayers can work. Maybe I can see and partner with God in his kingdom coming to earth, just as what we see all through Scripture. Okay, And it's so exciting to be talking about this. I don't want to finish, but I have to. And so I hope that this kind of sheds some light that God is not in control of everything that happens. Yes, he is in control in, with regards to he is sovereign. There's no one above him. There's no one greater than him. Forever and ever, hallelujah, amen. However, man has a role to play. The enemy which has been defeated by Christ also has a role to play. But we need to take up our authority as new creations in Christ when we believe. Take up our authority and resist him and stand 
for this kingdom. Stand for the truth. Stand for who God is so that we may see more of God coming on the earth. Because if we want to see God's will, we will see light. We will see life. We will see purpose. We will see healing, miracles, restoration, marriages that work. We will see the world like we couldn't even have imagined it right now. That is God's will. That is who he is. And so we'll be talking a lot about different things and we'll get into that as well. But I hope this starts once again, just um, kind of not even starts, but just solidifies the foundation to the goodness of God. And from there, we can start to look at the rest. May you be blessed because you are. And may you realize that you really have the power of God living inside of you to see God's will come to earth. If this teaching has blessed you, ministered to you, or you need more ministry about something that's happened in your life, a tragedy, please reach out to us. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Duras area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.co.